The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. This evening we are going to uh, look at chapter 8. Uh, but I wanted to do a quick recap on some of the concepts that we talked about last week because we're the, the last week and this week and next week are going to continue along uh, fairly closely. The, the themes and the concepts are going to be building on each other um, because we're talking about how honor works in, uh, in, in honor-based cultures and in, in cultures that transmit values through honor. Um, the, these are, so we're going to talk about, last week we talked about what ascribed honor looks like, and this week we're going to begin talking about acquired honor, and that happens in a couple of ways, which we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about those things tonight. But what we talked about last week is that it's difficult for people in the majority world, especially people in honor cultures, to give a concise definition for what honor is. Uh, because it is so multifaceted and it's also so interconnected that honor touches every part of life. And so it's very difficult for us. We love to have things, you know, in our, in our sort of Western scholastic mindset. We want everything to have a very clear, concise definition that fits on one or two lines in a, you know, in a print dictionary or, uh, you know, or a very short article introduction on, on the Wikipedia. Basic building blocks and first principles. Exactly. We just, uh, give, give me, give, give just the gist, give me one sentence definition that I can carry and that's it. And honor doesn't work that way. We're also going to talk about how it doesn't actually work that way in our world either, um, but we like to imagine that it does. Um, but, but in that world, there's not a, a single concise definition. So the best that we can do is we can talk about the fact that it is both complex and that it is collective. By complex, we mean that it comes from lots of different sources, um, that some of those sources can be overlapping sources, that there are many different perspectives, that, that the way that honor is, is treated or the way that honor is conferred or the way that honor is maintained can differ from one group to another, even though those groups honor systems overlap and interlink. Uh, it's a very complex system that, that requires fluidity because it's relational. There has to be a, a loose interpretation of some of the concepts because it is deeply connected to the relationships that individuals and communities have with one another. Um, and, and along those lines, we also say that it's collective. So the honor is something that is a we issue and not particularly a me issue. The me issue is actually going to be when we get into it, we're still a couple of chapters out, but when we start talking about how shame works and the purpose of shame, that tends to be a me issue in the context of a we. Whereas honor is not something that I as an individual have. It's something that I possess in the context of the larger group. Um, 
and it it is it it's shared and it's shared at a local level so it's shared with me and my household or me and my family but then it's also something that is shared on the the larger groups that I belong to so it could be it could be the regional groups it could be the national groups that all of those things are are different ways and that all of those things like you said are interlocked and overlapping and there's there, there's this constant tug and pull and so nailing down what is a concise succinct <coughs> definition of this is really complicated and so instead of doing that, what we're going to use is an analogy. And the analogy that the authors have used is that it is a bucket. And that honor goes into the bucket and that groups possess a bucket and it has honor in it. And honor is distributed and that's the way that honor functions. Now for us, our, our temptation is to think of, you know, to, to picture in our mind like everybody is carrying around this one bucket. But it doesn't... The, the analogy isn't intended to be that. It's intended to be moving us into, uh, in, into this understanding that honor is something that is a collection that we all hold together. It's something that we all possess and that the goal is for honor to be a way to reinforce our values. All right? It's Hogwarts house points. It's a well. It's a well. I like a well. That one's good. So the, in, in the chapter that we just read, they say that honor enforces and that honor reinforces cultural values, okay? So honor is there to enforce our cultural values and to reinforce the cultural values. So it's not primarily something that is um, punitive, which, again, is kind of hard for us because of the world that we live in. We, we tend to think about things only in terms of, of, of justice because that's the way that our culture sees society as a whole. But if society as a whole is based on the relationships that, that interlocking family units have with one another, then the concept of justice is less important than the, the, the concept of cultural values. Um, and so that's why we distinguish typically, rather than distinguishing groups into East and West, sociologists now use the language of shame-based cultures versus guilt-based cultures. And they talk about honor-based cultures versus justice-based cultures. So we've got those terms up on the board because we're going to be referring back to those. Those are going to be helpful. At least for me, those ways of seeing this, I think, were more helpful than some of the, the terminology that I have uh, that, that I found in, in other sources and, and other places, okay? So this is the question for us. If the goal of honor is to enforce and reinforce values, how does that happen? What do you guys think? Based on what we've read or what you have experienced, what are some ways that honor enforces or reinforces cultural values? Praise. Hmm? Praise, praise and modeling. Mm -hmm. Praise and modeling. Instead of the the justice-based approach, which frequently has a don't do these five things. Whatever else you can do. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not one of these prohibited things. Mm -hmm. Vers versus these these things are meritorious, these things are honorable these are the things that you ought to do and aspire to mm -hmm. and <clears throat> right and we used i think you mentioned that last week that using that ought language tends to be more connected to honor culture than it does to justice culture 
um, this this idea that there are behaviors or lifestyles or ways of being that are things that we ought to do. And so it leads us in that direction because the, the, the goal is then to conform, which is one of those words that for us is really kind of a taboo word. We don't like the word conform, whereas in, in an honor culture, the point is to conform. The, the point is for us, for we to conform. And so I conform to we, we conform to it. Um, and, and we, at, at least in, in a justice-based culture, that is really foreign to the way that we... In, it, it, it's in fact almost, it's almost offensive that somebody would suggest to you, like, you need to conform. No, I don't. I'm my own person and I do what I want. Because for us, we... We think of conformity in its extreme negative abusage, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, the, um, the factory drone. Right. And so it's like, to us, we're going, well, if you say conform, you mean factory drone. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's never said in any other group besides ours. Right. <laughs> that came out of a very particular type uh-huh. of industrial revolution. Right. And so it's I, that's a strong reason why we just go, yeah, no, no, that's not good, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we we certainly do enforce conformity. Mm-hmm. Every group does that. Because right. We just if, don't call it that. <laughs> right. Because if you have a group that doesn't enforce conformity... You don't have a group. You have so many people who... Either there's the one guy who joins and everybody hates, mm. and they don't know how to kick the guy out, or you have, <laughs> or you have a whole bunch of people who don't have any relationship mm-hmm. that or commonality that joins them together. Mm-hmm. We just don't like to use the word conform because right. you know you because we, we like to market. We, we marketers uh, think that they've realized you can get around that individualism or by telling somebody don't conform do what we tell you common interests commonality stuff mm-hmm. like we like we like that type of phraseology mm-hmm. i was just thinking of the basic plot theme line of every disney movie mm-hmm. <clears throat> so many forces Mm-hmm. And it does it at that low level. I mean, we we talked about that I think a few weeks ago, about about the way that culture communicates values is often through uh, through narrative, through fairy tales, those kind of things that we 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 tell people about what our mores are. We tell people about what our our values are, and we communicate it at a very early age, and we do it uh, through parables, and we do it through analogies, and we do it through. Uh, through nursery rhymes, and we do it through storytelling. Uh, Disney likes taking other cultures and then reinventing the narrative, mm-hmm. like Mulan, like mm-hmm. Coco, like of individualism. Right, inserting that inserting value that into, value a, into a, that, a foreign context. Break away from your restrictive family. <laughs> right. <laughs> it always irritates me when I see those movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, when you think about communicating values... What are the values that you see that are our core values for us in our own culture? Utilitarianism. Okay. Things. Mm-hmm. Initiative. Progress. Mm-hmm. And change. Independence. And at the same time, 
teamwork. <laughs> Literally at the same time. Usually from the same sources. Yes. Right? Be an independent man. Right. Be a good like team player. <laughs> be a good team player, but also you want to be the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The challenge is when the two systems come in conflict. Right. In a diverse world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, and in the Philippines, that was one of, so you have, a, so I had a close friend who, who had moral failure, a pastor. Uh-huh. And his family was very prominent, doctors, and mm-hmm. related to even the vice president of the Philippines. Mm. And we have a church discipline, right? <coughs> right. That applies a justice system. Mm-hmm. And it was in conflict. Mm-hmm. We had a case that went to the Supreme Court. Wow. So, so and, and so I think we even have uh, all these. A multinational corporation mm-hmm. that deal with diversity in order to succeed. Right. And they have to deal with this. How do you? Right. Have to be fluid enough to move in it? and out of those different yeah. cultural environments. Some of the best anthropology studies that have been done have been done by advertising, by international corporate mm-hmm. advertising. Yeah. They're like, well, we have to sell the product, <laughs> but it's not our, our ads are totally not working in this context. Mm-hmm. We have to understand values. Mm-hmm. Are there any others that you would add to this list for us? Um, wealth and goods. Hmm? Materialism. Materialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Success. Materials. Yeah. With justice. Well, it's a way of saying black kind of, and white thinking. But also kind of punitive justice. Either or. Yeah. Either or thinking. Like punitive justice. Yeah. Concrete thinking. Americans love the dichotomy. We adore the simple dichotomy. Unless we really don't. simplicity, like trying to trying to reduce things into simple categories. Mm-hmm. That's something we really like. And the way we raise children makes application of uh, discipline mm-hmm. very different. <coughs> it would mm-hmm. relate to that. The kind of punitive, punitive way of seeing yeah, justice that yeah. it functions in a family setting, right? Just like it does in a in a right. national setting. Right. This might be connected to materialism mm-hmm. in a way, um, but that sort of I'm not going to call it uh, science, but scientism, like that that appeal to the scientific method, the scientific oh, way of seeing right. the world mm-hmm. of of quote logic and reason. Mm-hmm. End quote. Yeah, um, and that kind of fits with that simplicity, either or materialism, materialism. just kind of yeah. come together in that that scientific it, way of looking at the yeah, world. Yeah, it's black and white versus mm-hmm. yeah fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And then with utilitarianism, even though every like productivity or salt will go. No, Say it again. Productivity. Productivity. <laughs> I think that's a good one. That's a, what's the first thing you ask a stranger? A stranger is what do you do? What right. do you work? They said it earlier. Efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you connected to? Yeah. Any others? How are you doing? It's always almost a knee-jerk responses. Busy, so busy. Mm-hmm. Especially in a work environment, everybody's mm-hmm. busy. 
really? You get all that food? Well, if they don't work. say they're busy, they might be yeah. giving more work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of the word that, that would fit that really well. Like, it's there, but I can't. I think that fits a lot with productivity. With productivity, yeah. yeah. Because the idea, it's it's a fear of idleness. Mm -hmm. Because I, even if you have free time, you should get a hobby. Or just you could, how many... You you just you just sat down and you watched an hour of TV. Mm -hmm. Like was it was it good TV? Was it like waste of time? Waste wasting time. And we talked about that when we were doing the review of the last book, in the you know the way that we in in our culture use the word time and how we talk about time that it's that it's currency for us. Mm -hmm. Time um, is money. Productivity money. too. Think of how we tend to treat our seniors versus other cultures. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't work, if you can't be productive, mm -hmm. then this your amazing, value starts slipping. There's an amazing story invisible. that Max, Max Weber tells where you have, like, you have a Lutheran business owner who, who wants to recruit some people. So he goes to a Catholic area and he says, I'll pay you like $5 an hour. And, and so the, the people in this predominantly Catholic area come and they work for four hours and they go home. Mm -hmm. And he says, that's ridiculous. They're they're only working four hours. Okay, so I'm gonna double the double the price. So ten dollars an hour. So a bunch of the Catholic people from the area come and they work two hours and they go home. <laughs> because they just they wanted twenty bucks to buy to buy dinner that day. And so then they're gonna go home. And that's just anathema <laughs> because you you ought to be working and you should be making more. Mm -hmm. I just described all the Argentines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I added another one up there of equality and democracy um, because again we kind of assume that that's that this is that this is you know the pinnacle of, of human uh, the, the development of human societies when Everyone we achieve democracy right democracy when we achieve equality when we achieve individual liberty uh, you know whatever that is so the question that I have is, when, when we have, in, in the last chapter, and again in this chapter, we were talking about the way that honor works, and that honor enforces, and that it reinforces cultural values. And we spent some time talking about what those values are, and we're going to look at some more of those tonight. But my question for us is, thinking about our own cultural values, what are the ways that we enforce and reinforce our cultural values. How does that happen for us? Well, I work in a school. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those is mm -hmm. strongly. We we'll distill them down into bullet points, three or four bullet points that we can that we can use. Mm -hmm. When I go into a classroom to sub, um, I look at the assignment for the day, and then I, I I have to look at which school I'm at because they. They don't, they're, they're not uniform across the school district. Um, but then I write up on the board what the expectations are for the day, and then I, I put those in categories so that I can match it with a code so that I can use the secret teacher language of saying, uh, I'm going to remind you that we are being responsible today, and responsible means that we are on task. And I've written that on the board, and if I say it twice, then it turns into a disciplinary issue. Um, you know, because I've, I've, I've invited you to focus and then I have refocused you. And once I've refocused twice, 
then it's time for us to 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 um, you know move things along. But we do. We use we the, it's a it, it's a tool for reinforcing those values, not necessarily reinforcing learning, but reinforcing those values. We're going to create this kind of an environment in our classroom setting. That's a good point. The conversational toolkit, mm -hmm. the standard things that you say when when you're getting to know somebody. Mm. Like there's there's a script. Every culture has a script. And like like Andy said, our first question is always, "What do you do?" Mm -hmm. Because again, all of the that's all of these values are wrapped up in what do you do? Like the first thing I need to know about you mm -hmm. is what your occupation mm -hmm. occupation like even that word. Right. It's embedded in our vocabulary and <laughs> the acceptable terminology that we use. Right. And, and the Philippines is where are you from? Where are you from? No matter if they're in the Metro Manila, it's always where are you from? Mm -hmm. Because they're from some community. Do they refer to individual communities within the metro area, or will they refer no, to like outside, a, outside of the, the metro province. area? Okay, so they refer to the specific province yeah, that they has, that their family is. Your family system has different family networks uh -huh. and cultures, and of course, there's different language. Mm -hmm. and, and they'll always say where where they're from, mm -hmm. unless they've been in Manila a long time. Right. They're from Manila. And in South America, it's who do you know? Who you know? And who are you connected to? That's what I'll say. Who's your family? Who are you? It's, yeah. And then... I think there are still some vestiges of that in American culture. I'm thinking of, particularly like in the American South, you have the phrase good people. Have you guys heard that in conversation before? Like they're, you know, yeah, if they cut, yeah, they, yeah they, they're, they're from good people. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're good people. Uh, is, is a way of, of doing that, saying, saying not only do I know you, but I know who you're from, and that gives you a certain kind of social standing, in my estimation, at least. Well, the, and more, more rural communities, mm -hmm. more rural communities here in America, that they will also have that, well, you're not from here. Mm -hmm. And so you have to spend time as a member of the community before well, they really start going out of their way to really help you out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I saw that a lot in the mountains in North Carolina. It's mm -hmm. like that's just common. Oh, okay, you're not really from here. Oh, you're 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 one of those Florida people. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of people from Florida who had uh, summer homes in the mountains. Right. So. Mm -hmm. um, if you're at all in the business world, all of these things are just absolutely taken for granted with the understanding that you have to be growing every year. And the way mm -hmm. to grow is to do something new, to optimize your processes, to introduce new efficiencies. Mm -hmm. And all of these things get, like, in addition to the external pressures from the people who pay the bills and the, the people who invest so that you can pay the bills, there's also this whole new world of corporate culture where they're trying to pick up a language to to express this in a less threatening oh. or overbearing way. Mm -hmm. So I have a question about this culture. Mm -hmm. My daughter, the nurse, had a tech who makes maybe fifteen to twenty dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. 
spent $11,000 to go see Taylor Swift. Where does that come from? <laughs> like, where does the money come from? Or? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Where's the decision <laughs> to do that? Like, why <laughs> borrowed the money so that they could uh, go to that? Yeah, and so she was paying back this money for how, forever long. I mean, the value, what are the values there? Of this tech. I, Connected to celebrity. Right? I would say yeah, nearness, like proximity to celebrity. It's, it's a sub, there's also a subgroup value where just it being being able to have this you know transcendent experience yeah. with this person who's bigger than life. Mm-hmm. It's almost religious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I find myself get caught because I watch Twitch a lot. And you watch these people stream every day. And it's like you have a relationship with them. They, they talk about their lives all the time. So yeah. it's like, oh, they're my best friend. And then like, wait, they don't know me from Adam's house cat. <laughs> like, if, I mean, I would know them if I saw them on the street. But I, they don't know me. Adam's house cat. Yeah. You don't know Adam's house cat. No, that's, that's and so, I haven't met that guy. I, I guess not. But uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like a weird feeling. Sometimes I'm like, wait, just because I don't know those people, you know. It's, it's, they're not it's my a, friends. Pseudo relationship. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's kind mm-hmm. of, but people that are already like emotionally damaged could get into that trap of being like, they're my best friend. You can see that in chat. So mm-hmm. People get creepy mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. But maybe I'm emotionally damaged. Does it, no, does no, it, it connect into materialism and success? Yeah. Or, like, or, mm, mm. could just be a sense of, well, like what we like to call entitlement. Well, I, I deserve to be able to go do this thing because mm-hmm. I want to do this thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that can be, be a part of it as it's well. It's like a once in a lifetime. Yeah, kind of finding finding a bunch of people who enjoy the same thing as you. That's I mean, that that's how friendships can start. Yeah. But also, if you're living in a disconnected world where you're constantly having things uprooted and moved around, mm-hmm. then saying I like. I like Taylor Swift. Do you like Taylor Swift? Yeah, let's talk about Taylor Swift so that I can at least have some sort of, you know, human human talk that's not about my mm-hmm. But it's a, yeah, concerts and, and are, it's a weird kind of an environment, um, especially the, the way that they're set up in the, the, the modern technological world that we live in. It creates that kind of experience. I think it creates this like this is only happening one time and it's exclusive. Mm-hmm. Like it's like we are, it's, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. So it doesn't matter if I pay ten thousand dollars for it. Mm-hmm. I'll never get to do it again. Right. Like Aerosmith. That's why my forty-seven friends retirement to tours. And, <laughs> you're like, yeah, bought backstage passes to things. You're like, Why? I do actually have live dvd of the eagles from melbourne they were on their farewell one tour the farewell they, specific, one. they specifically called it the farewell one tour they're like yeah this is our first farewell tour I'm not saying we'll so probably do a bunch more not right a lifetime, at least we're being on for them like one time opportunity to go not you know so one thing that we talked about in the chapter that we read was that we, we've moved on from ascribed honor so ascribed honor is the honor that you have just because of who you are but the acquired honor is the honor that that groups have because of what they've done and oftentimes because of what notable individuals in the group have done that creates the honor that the group has so it's not that one person is 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 honorable but that person is us and we are them and so it's all of our honor together and so they talked about there there are two ways that this happens one is 
performing honorable deeds, and the other is honor contests. Now, the next chapter is going to be about honor contests. Yeah, they really didn't talk about honor contests. No, no, huh? no. The next chapter is yeah. is entirely devoted to honor contests. This one was just about what does it look like for us to acquire honor through honorable deeds, and it brought to mind something that I wanted to I, I wanted for us to sort of sit with for a second in our own context because again I think that it's it's useful for us to hear these things but I think it's also just as important for us to be able to apply those principles in the world that we live in um, just just as we do with scripture we do in in the rest of our life so I want to know who has heard of the Chinese social credit system kind of familiar with the, the Chinese social credit system a little bit. So in our in, in our world we have a credit system, right? We have we have a score and it has to do with how how you will pay back that money. How reliable are you to be a debtor? The Chinese system expands that to be more in terms of how reliable are you as a citizen. So it's not only do you repay your debts, but it's it's do you do, do you do the right kinds of actions or the wrong kinds of actions? Is it publicly notable? And then there is an adjusted score that people have for for this. Well, who keeps up with that? Nobody. Um, oh. They're giant. They're giant panopticon. <laughs> it's yeah. It's. It's an imagined. It's all the Chinese tech database. No, no, no. As, as Western no, Westerners, we we, we imagine yeah. it to be a lot more concrete than it actually is wow. in in daily life, um, because it primarily has to do with legal proceedings, and so it's not just based on like in our world we have we experience the same kind of thing, but it's it, it's more on a on an individual level. So you know if you post the wrong things on Facebook, then you get a Facebook ban for a certain number of days or weeks or however long that lasts. In China, if you post the wrong kinds of things, then you can be charged for it, and then that goes on your social, uh, your social credit rating. Um, but I want you to think just for a minute, when you, when you heard about it the first time, or maybe if you heard about it now for the first time, what is the gut reaction you have to this idea that the Chinese government has a database where it scores the citizenship of of the the people that are Chinese. They have cameras everywhere, mm -hmm. and they are the ones that really got face recognition. It just, yeah, it just seems overly like just complicated. Calm down. <laughs> that's just making me tired thinking about it. Like who's in charge of that? Like mm -hmm. what committee? The party. The party, the, the party is, is in charge. In charge. The party. I know, but like somebody. Some, and they, no, and it's the party. Data. <laughs> and there are lots of little penalties that can go along with that. Like if you have a high social credit score, you get better seats and better prices on airline flights. Mm -hmm. There's a black mirror if, about if that. If you have a bad score, you can be banned from public transportation mm -hmm. or air travel. Our missionaries and, have to be very careful. Hmm? The ministries the missionary, do? Missionaries now. Oh, yeah. Are, to be under the radar are extremely cautious. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. people don't even know about them, hardly. Mm -hmm. Do you have to be a citizen? Like, what if you have a work visa to work there? That's, a, that's an excellent point. That's mm -hmm. where I'm going with this. Okay. Yeah. I, watch, I watch a lady on TikTok that has a work visa in China. So that's so, why I want So this is the question that I have. 
Knowing what we know about China, obviously we we understand that the systems of of honor and and shame and guilt and justice that those things overlap. That there's not one example of this is what a collectivist culture looks like, and this is what like there there's there's permeations and there's fluidity between between all of those. But China, generally speaking, is a collectivist culture. So here's what I want you to think about: when you heard me say that in China. They have a social credit system. Did you assume that that was primarily about your behavior?、Mm-hmm. Whose behavior do you think it's primarily about? Your family.、Hmm? Your family. It's bigger than that. So, hmm. Smaller than that. <laughs> like company heads. Yeah.、Uh, Those in charge of larger groups, like、uh, mayors or leaders of districts, they they do affect it. But seventy five percent of the、um, of the violations, so the so the the demerits. Think about them in terms of de- that's not what they call them. They're just adjustments. But seventy five percent of the negative adjustments from twenty twenty to present have been applied solely to corporations. Fifteen percent of the remaining twenty-five percent are applied to government agencies. Each government agency has its own social credit system score. So, like your school district or your、so、you your your school, city you council. It would penalize the kinds school, of buses that that school has access to. Or that city has access to, or because it's not just about travel. It it affects it it affects the 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 kind of energy that you can get. It affects the kinds of loans that you can get. It affects the amount of tax money that you can get. So of of all of the people that that received demerits, only ten percent of them were against individuals. It was primarily for them a way of curtailing the marketplace because. Companies were coming in, and they were setting up their own internal culture and doing whatever they wanted to. And they said, "This is destructive to, to our way of life. We don't, we don't want people working in that way. We don't want those kinds of behaviors. And so we're going to curtail it by changing the way the taxes work. We're going to, right? It's like, oh well, you know, your company is is, is notorious for behaving badly on trains. You guys don't get to use the train anymore." Because of the company that you work for, you don't get to use the train anymore. And we're like, that's not fair, and it's not, and they don't care <laughs> because they're collectivist, and fair is not well, a core a value. Fix it.、Hmm? Yes, fix there are it. ways that you can repair it.、Um, Primarily, what you have to do is, if you have a score that is bad, individuals that have bad scores almost always has to do with unpaid debt. There, there are very, very rarely cases where somebody, like an individual, is banned from public transportation. It can happen. It has happened. It almost doesn't happen. Like if you assault someone on the train, you don't get to ride the train anymore for a while. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like,、okay. well, you're you're on train time out. <coughs> Sorry, that's just how it goes. Party membership come in on that. Do they get? Promotions within the party are based、I'm、upon、sure. your score, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but but you have to remember that that the party is not monolithic. So it's、yeah. it's still made up of smaller groups that each have their own membership, and so they understand themselves as part of a party. But first, they are a, a group, and then they're a network, and then there's something larger than、like、that. So app you could check this off. Yes, yes, it's all、okay. done through WeChat,、like、which、okay. is like what everything in China has done. Yes, exactly.
It's it's so wild. Website. You can go check it's your, hard to wrap your brain around, it, right? Yeah. But contrast this with, um, yeah. But if you think about it in terms of America, we also have a social credit system. It it's not monolithic. There's not a, a single entity that does it. But your behavior online is monitored and is restricted depending on the ways that you use that that uh that material right depending on what you share and how you behave there are in fact policing agencies whose sole job is to find people misusing it so that they can prosecute you and you can't use that kind of information anymore people who come out of the um out of, out of the legal the criminal justice system often have particular kinds of online behavior curtailed because of the crimes that they've committed and it has to be they have to go through the same process that you do in china to have it expunged um and then of course we have a credit system and the credit system is just that it, it you you uh it it does in fact directly affect your ability to own or or access a car uh the kinds of jobs that you can have the the kinds of places that you can live like all of those things are still restrictions that we live in but we don't see it in that way because there's not the the sort of monolithic you know setting but we still have those same restrictions and the same thing is true in the uk and the same thing is true in russia in these com countries where individualism is is much more central they still have those same policies in place but they function in a different way and we just sort of go along with it. We're like, well, you know, I wish that credit credit score didn't have the same kind of effect that it does. But I guess in the world that we live in, you've got to find out, you know, who's who's a good risk and who's not. Whereas in the Middle East, getting a loan is about who you know. In South America, getting a loan is about who you know. It's not about, you know, are you a good or bad investment? It's are your people good or bad investments? And it's... So even when we're looking at the world that we live in, this idea of how we communicate our values and how we live those values out is dependent not just on our, uh, our, our ascribed honor, the things that are true about us, but they're also the way that we relate to each other. It's that, it, it's that acquired honor. It's that, the value that we have. Now, for us, ours is not as much about honor as it is about justice, and we will spend some time I think next week, if not next week, it, it, it'll be when we're doing some, there are three, there are two or three summary chapters where we're going to spend some time talking about like, how do we apply this in our context and how do we apply this in, in our reading of scripture? Um, but I want us to, I, I want us to hear that because it helps us to see that one, we have our own assumptions about the way the world is supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do the things that I want to do whenever I want to do them. And the truth is that even though we believe that, it doesn't actually happen. You can't actually go and get whatever car you want. You can't actually go and buy whatever house you want. You can't actually go and work in any job that you want to do that. You can't. None of those things are actually true. They are theoretically true. They're true because those are values that we possess. They're stories that we tell because they create the kind of culture that we live in. And we believe that it's the kind of culture that is a valuable culture. It produces people that are, are, are good citizens, that, are, um, that, that, that uphold those particular values. All of those things about us are the things that we want to be true. And so we tell those stories, even though those stories aren't 
necessarily or actually true about us or about the people in our lives. And so the same thing is true in an honor culture. The, the, the exact same thing tr is true there. It doesn't mean that it is always going to happen this way. It doesn't mean that the people in that culture always uphold these values. Of course they don't. That's, that, that's, that's the way that human society works. But the purpose of honor is to help a group of people to communicate those values so that they can create a society that is stable and in the, in, in the terminology and the understanding of those people, create a society that is uh, healthy for the, the people that live in it. The question for us as we are encountering these kinds of values in Scripture is, where am I reading those ideas, those basic assumptions that I have about simplicity and about productivity and about materialism and about progress and about teamwork and about you, you know initiative? Where am I? Where am I assuming that this is the way that those things are supposed to work, and then inserting them into the text when the text isn't? sharing those things actually when you mentioned materialism there is a point in here that i think even now they still didn't realize that they were doing materialism in mm -hmm. the writing of the book this was on in their discussion of uh david versus goliath oh yeah um, um the top of page 149 where it says everybody drew the conclusion david's god fought for him while goliath's god did not mm -hmm. i'm like no, that's not the conclusion that was drawn. Mm -hmm. The conclusion that was drawn was not that Goliath's God did not fight for Goliath. It's that Goliath's God lost Fought to David's lost. God. Right. It's like no, it's like it's not that uh, God killed Goliath. It's that God overcame Goliath's God mm -hmm. and killed Goliath. Right. It's so it's like that. Yeah, the, removing the, death of, the supernatural realm and just looking at the mm -hmm. material of David and Goliath is still what the authors did in that instance. Mm -hmm. Because because they have a particular so assumption, which is that there is one God and that everything else is a lie. And so they take that and put it onto the story when that's not the way that the ancient uh, Jews who are writing this believed the world was. They believed that the world was populated by 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 untold teeming masses of spiritual beings that would allow themselves to be worshipped and, yeah, and, and most and of them were this in was, rebellion against and, the one true God. Exactly. And so the the purpose of the story is to say he's the one true God yeah. because he's victorious over all of the other forces that that lead people astray, that lead people yeah. into uh it's you like know God defeated the Philistine gods because lives. Uh, that we can see that because David defeated Goliath. Mm -hmm. Yep. <coughs> Good. Any other thoughts on the chapter? Like I said, he went through a number of examples, but I felt like reading through this, I, I felt like it was it was a better use of our time talking about how honor works in a cultural way than just sort of rehashing all of the examples that we all just read in preparation. I was like, well, the book is a summary, and I don't think it helps us to summarize the summary. I think we just read the summary, and then let's talk about this. As a, as a, I thought that was a better way of, of covering. Some chapters, I think there are things that are, you know, are, are worth diving into. You but don't this one, need a reader's digest the cliff notes. <laughs> right, exactly. That's... Just one of the questions is just the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. how that fits in mm -hmm. and flows through the, the I think it's a really good point because it's 
it's tempting for us when we talk about the kingdom of God to imagine that it reflects those values, right? We need to be careful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's applied in different ways, mm-hmm. different cultures. Mm-hmm. What's this thing, kingdom of God, about? Right. Somehow. Right. Yeah. But it, yeah, I think that it should be important to us to, as we're reading scripture, to listen to what are the ways that 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 God is confronting values that are contrary to the kingdom, which was, you know, they started talking about that. There's going to be more about that in the honor contest, but they talked about that a little bit in the confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees was that it wasn't that the Pharisees were bad people. It was that they they gave honor to values that weren't God's values. And so that was what Jesus is critiquing. And I think that the the important thing as we're reading Scripture is to also allow Jesus' words to critique those values in our own culture. Um, to, to, to instead of instead of approaching culture and saying, let me see all of the ways that Jesus uh, you know destroyed the Pharisees and and their their way of life to instead say Jesus is at work in that culture proclaiming the 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 coming of God's kingdom in in and through his salvation work and what does it look like for him to do that in my own culture as well what are the things that he's saying that directly confront because it we're not I don't think that it's a valuable thing for us to say what you should do is be less productive right what we want to communicate, and historically what Christianity has done is, is instead of holding to these values, they held to a list of virtues that were, were called theological virtues. And the theological virtue is not just simply being productive. It was doing work with your hands that's good. So it's doing the right kind of work in the right kind of way. And that's a different thing, I think, than we get in, in our culture, because our culture is all about what are you producing, yeah, because so it's, it's like the each of these can have the the good and the bad, the the proper, which mm-hmm. is the godly way mm-hmm. of expressing them, and then the abusive way, which is usually the more common. Like with uh, independence, is probably the easiest one. The abusive way we hear about is to you know to be independent is to be your own person, your own mm-hmm. self, right. where you don't have to take care of anyone around you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only ever pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you expect everyone else to do that too Mm -hmm. whereas the godly way of independence is to not is to not be a drain on your community it's like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm going to do what i can to not drag others down right it's like and you can see both of those at play Mm -hmm. in different groups that still use the same word right you're like so it's like yeah we should be independent also I do a ton of charity mm-hmm. well we should be independent screw you guys right yeah and I think it, it's the thing that Jesus does again and again is revealing the heart whether it's the heart of the individual or the heart of the community it's pointing back and saying what is it that you are pursuing are you pursuing God's justice or are you pursuing punitive justice are you pursuing uh, are 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 you pursuing God's honor, or are you pursuing your own, uh, you, you know, your own boastfulness? 
there's there there's there's that distinction that I think is important for us to make. And so that's why I think that it's important for us to understand how honor works in this world because it allows us to read scripture and see the way that the prophets are critiquing the the values of the culture where they live and instead saying these are the things that God values. And at the same time, we can look at our own lives and our own values, our own cultures and say Look at the, the, the ways that these are similar, or look at the ways that they are di these are different. Look at the things that Scripture says are valuable. Are those things that are valuable to me, or are those things that I kind of ignore because I want to pursue something else, that I want to go farther, I want to go a different direction? And so next week we're going to talk about how honor contests work, and that is what does it look like to steal water out of someone else's well to keep yours more full than someone else's? Uh, and then what are the effects on a community and a culture when that happens? Um, and you can imagine that they're probably not going to be real good. Honor killings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will talk about that. So that'll be next week. Thank you. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.